Hello and welcome to my fetch. I am remiss that I have not been uh, recording not only much more, uh, more frequent, and not only uh, every day, but maybe even several times a day. But as life goes, so it goes. Um, I. Uh, uh, there's just been so much going on. There's so much to talk about. And um, it would have been ideal had I been discussing these things via this channel all during this time. Maybe I'm overwhelmed. Maybe I'm just trying to absorb other people's content and to um, uh, dissect, analyze, um ingest, digest, and so maybe now I'm finally at a point where I can better assess and uh, speak about some of these topics myself. Obviously, if um, any listeners are, are paying any even base modicum of attention to uh, what I'll call current events or uh, currency... Um, you'll know that things are, um, there are a lot of matters out there that are mysterious, a lot of deceit, a lot of fraud, a lot of, um, upheaval and a lot of unknown, a lot of mystery. And so, um, I have just a few notes jotted down. Let's see where that takes us. Uh, but here is, uh, where I'll start. So I did watch a video today uh, via a Telegram channel. I don't remember which Telegram channel it was. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll mention it when I figure out which channel it was. But regardless, you can go onto Telegram and find, uh, and find the information for yourself. There's, there's plenty of channels on there um, from... Um, Things about the trucker convoy to Corona to country by country, doctors. I mean, obviously, it's um, it's a space that's um, providing people a way to share their thoughts and content. Um, and maybe I also need to be on there. But for right now, here is where I will remain. And here is where uh, you can find me. But I did see a video of um, a child, a girl. Her name, I hope I pronounced this right. Her name is Maddie de Garay. Um, and that's Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E. And the last name is D-E space G-A-R-A-Y. She was in one of the trials. It's not specified in this particular interview. The interview was with Ep um, Epic News. That's Epic, E-P-O-C-H, uh, News. I don't know who the interviewer was. And she was there with her mom and then another woman who was not identified in the clip that I saw. I imagine that the interview goes longer. I think that the, the part that I saw was about 13 minutes, maybe 12 and change. And I imagine that the interview, the complete interview is longer where maybe the, the other uh, two people are, are introduced because um, I did not catch the name of um, 
of Maddie's uh, mother or whether they have the same last name. Uh, and her father was not uh, was not particularly present at that interview. Um, but uh, first of all, I'll comment that her ability uh, with, and what I'll get into, the trauma that she endured to recall the um, the dates, just the dates of all the different, um, let's say, uh, when she got the mRNA, uh, the shot, the stab, the jab, whatever you want to call it, and then her ensuing, um, uh, you know, medical issues, everything that happened, as well as her appointments, as well as her her different hospitalizations, the time she's called, the time she's gone to the ER, the ED, the discharge, the um, is is phenomenal. Now maybe that's on a on a you know on a placard or on a whiteboard that she's that she's um, you know that's that's there you know uh, behind the camera. But it doesn't seem to me it is. And it's not really an important thing anyway. If it is there to remind her, like it's a little cheat sheet, big deal. But it seems like she's searching her brain for those dates and it comes very effortlessly. And you you can see that she seems to be a a pretty, even with what she's endured, a pretty sharp girl. She even has a chuckle or two, a laugh or two. So she's maintained some semblance of um, maybe just... um, I don't know about laughing at the absurdity of it all, but maybe just realizing that sh- that this whole thing is larger than one person, and that's very difficult to do under the, under the circumstances. And um, I'm not saying I completely understand, you know, what she's enduring, or what her what her mother's enduring, or what her father's enduring. Clearly, but I can have some semblance of understanding based upon things I've shared in prior um, in prior sessions. Um, my my uh, my um, relationship and my experience uh, with the medical uh, mafioso junta that is currently um, billions of people are now realizing um, um, exists on our globe. Um, but her her particular uh, um, fight, battle, struggle, experience with the medical junta is particularly haunting. She was apparently um, part of, again, one of the uh, child uh, clinical trials for uh, one of the mRNA or um, attenuated vaccines. I don't know. She doesn't mention which one, so I'm assuming it's um, uh, one of the mRNA rather than, I forget which one was the attenuated. That may have been the... uh, I don't know, AstraZeneca, I forget. It, it's it's in this particular context right now, at this moment, that's not important. But what she talks about, um, and I only watched it once, I really need to go back and watch it about 25 more times, but just from recall uh, and watching it, having watched it a few hours ago, she talks about, um, and I'm going to talk in the macro here, not necessarily the specifics of what she went through, uh, but um, or some specifics, she she talks about you know getting the getting the um, the shot, the stab, and then getting the booster. And within a short time of getting that booster, uh, she didn't feel well. Um, the um, she said she went into her parents' room. Okay, so here I am getting into some details, which she never does at night. And they said, okay, well you'll stay home from school tomorrow. She said no. Uh, she didn't want to do that because she knows she, that she can get behind very quickly. So she clearly was, um, you know, someone who who sought to succeed academically and wasn't just, uh, let's say, um, you know, faking a sick day. 
Um, she went to school. She wasn't feeling well when she went in. And then she said by the end of the day, she could barely, she could barely, she was in a lot of pain, her back and her sides. And when she went home, she went into her dad's office and just broke down crying from the pain she was in. She went to the hospital. Um, she said she was losing, at some point she was losing control of her bowels, uh, or, or at least, I think at least urination. And when she was at the ER again, there's a time where she went to the ER, they, I think they discharged her, they kept her one time, but they kept saying they didn't know what was going on, things weren't coming back normal, but they couldn't ascribe it to anything, despite the fact that she had gotten the booster, um, you know, only hours or within, let's say, 24, 48 hours prior. And as this uh, saga continues, so then she can't, she can't, she twice tried to get up and to walk and, and couldn't, she couldn't walk. She, uh, I don't know if she actually fell or just was unable to and, and required support or, or caught herself. Um, uh, I think, I, I don't want to make a mistake here, but I think that she wound up having some seizures um, and um, uh, I don't want to mix up different things that I've been reading or listening to. But anyway, she, when she's sitting in the interview, it looks like she's in a chair that is like a wheelchair. Like she's not able to currently function um, as a biped uh, on her feet. Um, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Basically, the... Um, the uh, you know she was supposed to be in the hospital for a week it went up being a, or you know a few days it went up being a lot longer then they sent her to rehab it was supposed to be a short time it went up being a lot longer she said that her PT and um, I can so relate not say just to a PT but people in the medical uh, profession in the world was basically abusive I don't even think she used that word but I'll use that word free and clear uh, I think it's beyond abusive I think it's criminal. But was basically telling her that you know she didn't want to be there. They have other kids that you know could be there. She wasn't meeting her milestones. She wasn't working hard enough. She wasn't uh, doing as they said. She wasn't following protocol. I'm sure there's things in her chart or in her file that says that she was sabotaging her care. Those are exact words from my profile. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the word insubordinate is in her file. Things that are in my profile. Um, and she said that every single uh, day she was in tears and crying because of what she was being um, put through. Oh, at one point she was using a commode and the commode was taken away uh, because, you know, she said she was losing control of her bowels. Uh, and um, she said to the to the PT that she didn't think she was going to be able to make it to the bathroom if she needed it. And it was sometimes uncontrollable and came on suddenly. And the PT, you know, refused to allow her the use of the commode at um, at whatever, whether it was bedside or whether it was in the PT, um, uh, the physical therapy, you know, rehab space, uh, you know, which could be out of out of a bedroom or out of a room where someone's uh, residing or sleeping. But either way, and I'll tell you from my firsthand experience when I had my last hospitalization, from day three they were talking to me about rehab. I was having diaphragmatic failure. They had not addressed my diaphragmatic failure. They had not addressed my inability to swallow, the fact that I was still choking on my own saliva. Again, without getting to the details, it's not so important, but it's a neurological condition that was not being 
properly uh, assessed or tackled um, or um, or maintained. Uh, and there's a number of reasons that I wound up in that acute uh, uh, position, uh, some of which are unknown and some of which could be a guess. But regardless, it was basically a medication um, change. Part of that was due to a blunder. Part of that was due to um, um, a request. Um, and um, the combination just wasn't a good thing. And um, that's probably what put me there. Uh, it's very sometimes very hard to know when we're dealing with complicated uh, you know, medications and, and complicated disease and a complicated situation. But anyway, um, uh, they wanted me out. And, and one of the things that was uh, assisting me, which the medical junta continues to maintain, uh, did not help me. Despite me saying it helped me and despite me, uh, uh, the, the BiPAP helping me to, number one, calm, like to reduce my tachycardia that was happening uh, when, 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 a, when you can't breathe, it sends you, most people in, into a tachycardic state, both from the nervousness and the anxiety uh, of that feeling and knowing that that is an imminent acute situation. And then from the medical uh, personnel and staff basically saying that it's all in your head and, or you're faking it or a variety of other things. So they were refusing me often in the hospital um, under their care use of the BiPAP. But then when I asked if that BiPAP would be accessible to me in the rehab where I'd be exerting myself more than I normally do outside a hospital setting and certainly more than I was at that particular moment, they would not guarantee me. They said, we have one. I said, you have one there that will be at my side within arm's reach. And they kept playing games and mincing words. And when I pressed for an answer, finally they had someone visit me from the actual facility. And they were saying, no, we can't guarantee you that. And then it really came out, the truth was, we can't have you using that throughout the day all the time, you know, in the facility, you know, and we only have one. And uh, I guess they were kind of making it seem like they had one, but maybe someone else would need it. And so it's like, it wasn't until um, someone from the food service who was really one of the best people uh, on the entire staff, go figure. Uh, but what a, a wonderful lady who um, somehow we got into a conversation and she told me, uh, be careful with the rehab. She said it was just a few months prior. Again, this is a woman that works in this institution for a separate vendor, for, for a, a, um, what I'll call like a private vendor that has a contract with the institution, with the hospital. But regardless, she said that her daughter was at a rehab from this same institution and had asthma and had an asthma attack in their rehab facility and they didn't attend to her quick enough and she died. And so that really woke me up as to I really didn't want to go to their rehab. I mean, I, I, I was... I was um, I was considering it because I didn't want to be in the hospital setting. I mean, it's never fun. But I was so up and down over the course of two hospitals in 33 days. It was such a roller coaster. And I had never presented like this before in a hospital setting or any other setting. Diaphragmatic failure was not anything I'd ever experienced. But that's what I was experiencing. And again, I've been vented also. So whatever. Uh, but the point being is that I can relate to what this um, young lady, uh, Miss Maddie, 
is saying in that the um, the abuse she was um, undergoing, like not saying you're not trying, you're not working hard enough, you're not meeting milestones, we're going to kick you out, you don't need to be here, uh, you know, doing things like removing a commode, that's a very emotional, psychological warfare, uh, forget against an adult, but against a child who's now going to have to possibly um, soil themselves, and whether that's defecation or urine, and you may be around other people in an open environment, you know, maybe in hospital in a hospital gown or garb. I mean, and then it's just disgusting and dirty, and then you have to have someone probably come and help clean you. I mean, it, that's mortifying. No one wants to have to go through that. And to like, I mean, to not be empathic about that is such a, it's such a, these people don't belong being a PT. You don't belong being in a hospital setting. You don't belong being in an acute setting if you're going to treat someone like that, go flip a burger, go, go fix a road, go, you know, go do some demolition, go be a coder. There's so many jobs that you can do where you're not necessarily having to interact with, with go be a day trader at home on your computer where you sit in front of three screens by yourself, right? Or you can be anonymous online. You can talk shit and talk disgusting however you want to to anyone. But you don't need to be in a hospital setting dealing with a child, ch- children or old people or, 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 any, or any adult or any child and, and cause such basically PTSD. Um, it's really just, you know, watching this girl speak, she, she speaks so, um, in, in, she's not giving all the graphic detail, but she could be, but she's speaking in just, just enough detail that you know that, you know, obviously, She's giving a subjective vantage of it, but every single word that she mentions, I trust. But, um, you know, she's going to have scars for life, both physically. If she can ever recover, she may never recover from this. Maybe there'll be some people, some doctors, some of these stars that are out there that can figure out a protocol to get people like her back up and running to tune the motor to clean out the carburetor to you know I'm giving a car analogy here or auto automobile analogy but maybe there's people that can figure out you know maybe it's you know super high doses of vitamin D and vitamin C for for five months so yeah again I'm just I'm not I'm not saying that that's it I'm saying maybe there's a combination of of molecules and hormones and vitamins and some kind of things that can get the body uh, and the mind back to as close to where it was or maybe even new and improved. And hopefully in the coming months and years, we'll see that there are people that are able to figure that out, you know, Uh, and maybe it's from foods and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's from cutting things out or improving diet or a whole combination or a whole regimen of things that can help people that have taken the mRNA that have suffered from it or people that haven't noticed any difference but are concerned about the possibility and just want to be preemptive and proactive um uh so she's she's you know she'll have scars she'll have mental and emotional scars from going through this especially at such a young age i've gone through this as an adult and i can tell you it's it's shaken my my faith in 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 certain humans to the core it's it i I um, I don't look at, at the ER as, let's say, 
my safety net or my salvation. I look at them as, are they going to kill me? Are they going to listen to me? Are they going to ignore me? Are they going to abuse me? And at one point, um, Maddie, Miss Maddie relates that um, they were going to send her to a place to get her... Uh, oh, they were they were basically claiming that she wasn't taking medications because a little bit, you know, at the end of whatever bottle or vial or whatever they gave her was in the sink. But they were like, oh, you spilled it all in the sink. And then she said, and how would you know I spilled it in the sink? It's got a drain. So that doesn't even make sense. There's not, there's not anything in the sink for you to know that I spilled it. Like, right? She was just saying, like, right? It, it doesn't even make any sense. So, um... She said that she couldn't take all the medications or whatever it was. They were giving her stuff like on a very regimented point, but it was causing her, I think, bowel issues or stomach issues. She just couldn't do it all. She wasn't eating, but so then they were trying to say it's all in her head and she has an eating disorder, which she'd never had an eating disorder before and she like likes to eat and this is not, you know, again, not her profile. That's my words. So then they wanted her to do like a psych evaluation and they were going to send her to a place, and they said it was going to be for like I think five or five days or a week. As he said, she went in. She was in there, and you know, about to get um, 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 what do you call it? Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, she was about to get the opposite of discharge to be. Um, to be like you know checked in so to speak and she saw some kind of wild stuff some I don't know other kids like throwing glass and screaming and whatever and then her mother was with her but they were saying like there's no phone service you have to get she has to give over her phone and it was going to basically be like kind of like a lockdown situation and she was going to have to be there for not just one week it was going to be like for three months uh, so that they were basically lied to and they felt very deceived and manipulated and her mother had to sign her out AMA. Again, I'm not really sure where Maddie's from, if she's from where in the States or maybe it's Canada, but I would have said I'm signing nothing. Um, you can refuse to sign. It's considered eloping. Uh, they can't force you to sign documents. So I would have just said, I'm signing nothing. But okay, it doesn't really matter either way, technically. Um, anyway, so they saw, she signed uh, AMA to not put her daughter in there because she knew that she would have had absolutely no say once her daughter was in there because they weren't going to allow her to communicate with her daughter. And that was unacceptable to her. And I thank God that even though what this young girl has been through, and I'm sure what her mother's been through in terms of seeing what this has done, I thank God that she had the fortitude to not put her in there, which, so they basically were, basically what she said was they were trying to make her crazy, right, in order to justify making her crazy, or putting her in the crazy, crazy loony bin, and um, this is being done to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, if not millions of people. Once again, when I was in the hospital, they tried to push head meds on me every single day, multiple times a day. One neurologist, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I don't apologize because it needs to be heard, came in to see me, it wasn't the first time, and, and, and had asked me to think about taking Wellbutrin. 
And I didn't want that. I had tried one pill several years prior, Refexor, one pill one time in my life based upon a uh, medical student sitting with me, a Russian guy. It was a medical student of a clinic and he sat with me for like 45 minutes to explain why this would help me because I was in a lot of pain, probably from different other medications I take. And I was never open to the SSRIs, but he explained that this really might help me. So I agreed. And I was poison. It was poison. It was poison for me. Now maybe I have a certain particular non-affinity for that particular drug, but I would never trust a doctor giving me one of the, any of those derivatives ever again. Uh, when this doctor, this neurologist, came in in the hospital, she basically said, "I said, yeah, but something like Wellbutrin doesn't kick in for like maybe four, six, eight weeks." She says, "Well, we'll give you a booster." Oh, booster. There's that familiar word of, um, of uh, what do you call it? Um, what's the ADHD medication? No, I'm forgetting. But anyway, she said that we'll give you a, a booster of, um, of, oh, we'll give you Ritalin to boost it. <laughs> it's like, I've never taken Ritalin in my life. I've never taken an SSR in my life besides like, a, like an actual uh, a regiment dosage in my life. The one time I did, I took one pill and I had a 36-hour, I wouldn't say I was psychotic, but I was definitely not well on that medication from stomach to head to bones to just emotion. It was not a good experience. Uh, and I wouldn't touch any of that stuff again. And now I've been reading a lot more about it. But her justification was that her daughter also had an autoimmune, not my autoimmune, and that her daughter was put on one of these medications and was doing a lot better. Now, she may have a hundred different patients that she could basically say the same caricature for. That is not justification for me being on that medication. It's not justification for telling me that I can't help you any further if you want to agree to this. And so I can relate to Miss Maddie and what she went through and then pushing head meds on her. She didn't have a profile for ever needing that kind of medication ever prior. And they're trying to make her out like she's some kind of like, uh, uh, she has some kind of um, emotional issue with food and some kind of, um, you know, some kind of like mental, emotional, psychological flaw or, or, um, or struggle. <laughs> and that was, yeah, she did. She had a struggle. It's called PTSD from an mRNA vaccine uh, debilitating her and whatever else is going on across the blood-brain barrier with this thing and basically being um, relegated to a wheelchair, losing, losing movement, losing this special trip she was supposed to take with her. Um, oh, no, that was someone else. Sorry. I'm confusing two different cases. But anyway, um, losing, losing, losing her ability to function. Losing her ability to, to, you know, go to school if school is even open, right? Like, I mean, a real life-changing smack in the face, for lack of a better term, or a beatdown. So um, I just wanted to mention her particular case. Again, it's on Epic News or Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H. I don't remember who, who the interviewer is with. You may have to search for it in, alter, in an alternative um, browser because I don't think that Google's going to bring up the interview uh, she was in a trial, don't know which trial. Her mom's there with her. There's another woman to the mom's, if you're looking at the video, right side. Um, and um, 
you know, maybe that transitions me to speaking about, um, you know, I have a friend who's, you know, recently, uh, recently a nurse, and whenever masks or the mRNA comes up, she's very, uh, you know, just very defensive and very much just tries to silence me by mocking, like, oh, you're a doctor, you're a scientist. And it's like, you know, I'm fine with that. If you don't want to consider me a doctor or a scientist, don't. I don't really consider myself a doctor or a scientist. A doctor is someone who's gone through a certain regiment and a certain protocol to get a certain, uh, um, you know, I guess certification that they can then, um, you know, uh, um, perform certain duties based on, uh, you know, pharmacology and their knowledge of the human body and, uh, and, and, you know, clinical assessment. Now, I think that a lot of that's been bastardized over the years and based upon my experience and seeing things like Miss Maddie and seeing hundreds of other kinds of situations like that, both pre-corona and since corona, uh, both within the uh, um, auspices or jurisdiction of my particular uh, uh, challenge, disease, neuromuscular issue uh, and, and the different people in that community and outside of that community. Um, and I've seen things with my own, fir- you know, my own eyes, my firsthand experience, as well as people seeing my experience firsthand in person in the flesh, and then seeing what else goes on in a hospital, um, uh, and speaking to other nurses and other medical professionals, and ones that are honest and ones that are clearly and complete liars and frauds. And my friend is very recently a nurse, uh, and I respect, you know, the. Um, the schooling and the and the and the uh, rigor that someone has to go through to to become uh, a, a practicing medical professional, but I, you know it's like it's like um, it would be like if someone spent like countless hours researching you know how to fix cars. And they're like, oh, man, you know, like, I, I, I think I know, you know, how to do this thing on the car, and I'm going to change out this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to take this car that I got that, like, you know, really needs some work, and, and, like, it would be like someone mocking them, like, oh, yeah, you're a mechanic, right? And it's like, well, I mean, I mean, that's probably not a good analogy because they're more, like, hands-on. It would be more like listening to a bunch of experts on a car, and uh, on cars and on how to do things and how to do a rebuild and then taking it to the best person or kind of speaking about, you know, about the car and knowing what needs to be done and then being able to choose the best person to to take that car to. But you're approaching it with um, a whole bunch of wisdom. Anyway, little, maybe not the best comparison here. I do like, I do like comparisons and analogies between cars and human bodies, but... Um, I think the, 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 the issue here is that um, when I, whenever I somehow, I don't really mean to, but like to bring up mRNA or, or mask, um, um, you know, I'm often mocked and it's like, wait a minute, I've been researching even before I was diagnosed with my condition, which has now been 14 years ago. I was attuned to fitness. I was attuned to the human body. I was attuned to what made me perform better because I was an athlete. Um, I was not a world-class athlete by any means, but I was probably in the top echelon of people fit in the world in terms of like, you know, probably whatever, let's say 
I, I really don't know. But I, I certainly was, you know, uh, in the upper upper echelon of people who were active and fit and probably even my BMI and body fat percentage, not that my BMI was in line with uh, what the BMI states it should be, but I'm just saying overall, I grappled, I ran, I, I lifted, you know, and for my particular, you know, size and stature, I was, I was a pretty strong person at, at that juncture in my life. Um, and my endurance, my endurance was 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 pretty uh, was was pretty um, robust. I mean, fast forward to today, things have obviously changed a little bit due to due to medications, due to my diagnosis. But you know, for for a long time, this is not like a new thing for me to be delving into research, alternative research, coming down with a diagnosis fourteen years ago, thirteen years ago seeking out alternative help. Some of that alternative help was actual nurses who used to work in the mainstream, you know, uh, um, let's say institutions and then had gone outside of it and were speaking to me about different um, different supplements, speaking to me about sea salt, speaking to me about checking my magnesium and my potassium, speaking to me about um, weaning off of the steroids, which... God, I wish I had done back then. I mean, I did try, but I didn't realize just the damage they were causing and that I should have gotten off of them, you know, back then. I, I just should have made somehow the uh, the, the, the break. But anyway, um, uh, speaking to alternative doctors, doctors in nuclear, in like nuclear medicine, doctors in terms of diet, uh, reading books, uh, reading uh, and, and tuning into things like from Dr. Terry Walls, and innumerable other doctors and medical professionals that um, were from the mainstream. Some of them remain in the mainstream, but were also presenting and um, effectuating uh, some alternative research. And someone like Dr. Walls, who is still a practicing, uh, I have her book again for like the third time, and just you know slowly methodically go through it. But you know she. Um, she had to refute some of the science that they were giving her for, for, for progressive MS. She was on a lot of toxic medication and had to give up some of that medication to explore alternatives. And so then we fast forward to Corona where, you know, I had to, um, you know, make decisions for myself. Uh, and in these two years, I've spent countless, countless at hundreds of hours Reading, uh, some writing, you know, taking notes and 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 collating uh, the different research that I've done, and every single time with this nurse friend of mine, she mocks me like, "Oh yeah, you know more than the experts," and I'm like, I, "I'm not claiming that I'm a doctor. I don't see people in an office clinically. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a PT. I'm not an OT. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm an educator and I'm a chef." For my chefing, I know a lot about molecules. I know a lot about cooking. I know a lot about vitamins. I know a lot about minerals. I've studied some macrobiotics, some microbiotics. I've looked into um, um, gluten. I've looked into dairy. I've looked into raw raw milk and raw foods. Uh, um, I, I, I've looked into many different diets. I've looked into keto and um, and um, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, low carb, low sugar, uh, intermittent fasting. Um, uh, the 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 importance of water like I mean I've looked at a lot of different things over the years and then with corona 
I started to look at, you know, what was coming out. And when they came out with these vaccines, how are they coming out with these vaccines? They ha- they, there's no way they could have done clinical trials the way the clinical trials are normally done. There, has, there literally hasn't been the time. Well, now it's coming out that the vaccine was... Um, the patent for the vaccine came out a year before Corona ever came out. In 2019, there's, va- there's, there's patents for these vaccines. Like and all the corruption and the fraud and the Fauci and Trump and, 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 and where did it come from? It came from Pangolin. It came from a bat. It came from Wuhan. It didn't come from Wuhan. Double your mask. Don't double your mask. Triple your mask. You can fly, but you can take down your mask to eat. You can have a French fry, but you can't have water. You can have water, but you can't have a French fry. Like on and on and on and the media, the media, the media, every single like just it's, it's, it's been a bombardment and I... Like, I don't need to be labeled or have a degree in science, even though I do have a master's of science in teaching. It's just a fancy degree to say I have a teaching degree. They had to just name it a master's of science in teaching. It's not a science degree. Okay, technically I could say it's like a, the science of teaching, but, you know, without the bullshit, it, it was a, a fraud of a degree anyway. I'm not a fraud, but the, the degree was a fraud, like most colleges. Um, but anyway... Um, my point being is that it, it's really like it was. It's to the point where where um, I'll be talked over and drowned out by um, by her by by this person mocking me as if I don't have the ability to synthesize information as a living, breathing, relatively intelligent human being. I mean, some of this ability to analyze information I started learning in like third and fourth grade. I mean, we learn charts, we learn data, we learn, I mean, look, my school, my public school that I went to back then, 30 plus years ago, was a very good school system. So maybe I got a little bit of a better education than maybe most places in America, or even most places in the world. But my point being is that I would assume most schools are learning some kind of, you know, science, charting, graphing, math, like, Reading, writing, like I can tell when someone's bullshitting me based upon the language. Okay, I think a study just came. Uh, uh, sorry, like there was a news report that just came out that was talking about the job growth. No, it was ta- sorry, it was talking about. Um, it, it wasn't talking about job growth. That's the whole thing. It was saying there was a very disappointing job growth forecast. And at first it said that there was a, a net reduction of 300,000 jobs. Another report came out saying that there was a positive 476. And they were playing very, very carefully that they didn't say jobs created. And what I think that means is it means that people were hired, but it wasn't new jobs created. It may have been people that were rehired. It may have been people that were on furlough. It may have been temporary jobs. It may have been part-time jobs. It may have been, uh, and I'm saying jobs loosely here for, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, it may have been uh, it may have been H one visas. I don't know, but the point being is that the media was playing games with the language. The FDA, CDC, NIH, NIAID—they're all playing games with the language. They put the approval for the Moderna uh, mRNA online uh, just a few days ago, and then they took it down. Like that's like putting out an article and then retracting it, but not even saying anything about the retraction. There's just so much deceit and fraud going on. And and I'm not saying that there's not... For every 
affirmation of the mRNA or all of them or getting the, you know, what we'll call the vax, there's an article or two saying otherwise. And then there's four or five articles that are tearing down those articles or tearing down the the tweet from this doctor or that doctor or that professional or that TikTok video. So the the amount of content out there is so... um, um, What's the word I want to use? It's so overwhelming to sort through, even if you have the time. And then you have people that have a family or five or six kids, they're working long shifts, whatever they're doing, whether you're doing demo, whether you're working retail, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, or whether you're a truck driver. Either way, most people, they don't have five, six, seven, eight hours a day, two hours a day even, to go home and sit on the computer or sit on their phone to read clinical trials, clinical data, articles, videos, whatever they want to look at. And I'm talking mostly primary sources. I'm not talking about MSNBC or Fox News or anyone or Epic Times. I'm not talking about necessarily news articles written about what's going on. I'm talking about firsthand. I would look at the interview with Miss Maddie as a primary source because you're hearing it directly from it. It's anecdotal, but it's still a primary source. So things like that. Most people just don't have the time. It takes me an enormous amount of time, an enormous bandwidth to piece together. I mean, you're talking about if you look at, you know, like, um, let's say 30, you know, four-minute videos, right? That's two hours of time. 30 four-minute videos, a video about this, a video about that, one about the truckers, you know, 20 of them about the, uh, about the uh, mRNA or what's going on, and all, all different things for all different countries and different protocols. You have Israel that's given four, you have Sweden that's given mandated none, you got mandates going on in Australia, you got this, you got that, you got like, right, what's going on? What's being given? Uh, Joe Rogan's taking horse dewormer. I'm kidding. He took ivermectin. Another person took a monoclonal antibody. What do I do if I get sick? What's my local hospital doing? Why are they doing that? What, you know, like mandates, this, that, right? Like it's making people stressed. But I'm just commenting that, you know, also based on the, on what Miss Maddie said and and the abuse that she was enduring, like I can relate to that, but it's very disturbing outside of the institutional or outside of an acute situation in that context, even amongst a friend of mine who I, you know, love and respect, it's very difficult when someone won't even like look at me as, you know, you're a reasonable person. I've always known you to be reasonable. You're you're intelligent. Like I'm an educator. I'm a chef. Like. I've worked a lot of different jobs. I've worked on an organic farm. I've also worked in demo. Like I've done a lot of different things. I've been around a lot of different people from from people in the corporate world, you know, white collar to blue collar to, to, you know, schlepping to washing dishes. Like I've worked with all different types of people on different continents and different roles. I've been exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of different jobs and a lot of different walks of life. And so, um, you know, that hopefully increases my acuity for understanding people, being able to communicate with people, being able to ask the right questions, being able to inquire. If I'm an educator, my number one, uh, um, let's say, responsibility is to, is to be curious, to be inquisitive, and to share that with students and to encourage them to ask questions. And so if I'm not asking questions, how can I be an effective educator? 
And so I just, what I'm saying is like to mock me and shut me down, it's very disturbing. You know, this is from someone that's supposed to be also educated and a nurse and, and also asking questions like, wait, why is this person here? Why is their oxygen so low if they're like a normal 33-year-old? I'm not 33, but let's say, I'm just as an example, a 33-year-old female. Like, what's going on with her? Like, oh, oh, she got her mRNA like four days ago, the third booster. Maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, but I can't say anything to the doctor because he's going to say no. But okay, yeah, well, when I go home, I can always, you know, speak to people about that outside of here. Right? But instead, instead, um, sorry, I'm just making sure that I'm still recording. Instead, it's like, and it may be like a self-defense mechanism because, you know, you know, her family is partially, you know, I guess partially mRNA'd. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them were too young. I don't know if they're going to be. Maybe it's like a guilt thing. Maybe it's like the mystery of the unknown. Just don't want to face reality. Uh, but again, whether in the institution and part of the system and part of that, you know, mafia or outside of it, it's like if there was a difference outside of it, then I think that she would express that to me. Like, look, when I go to work, I got to abide by the protocol and that's my job and that's kind of what I signed up for. And unfortunately, you know, I never expected this, you know, when I began down this career path. And that would be like, okay, I hear you. Well, let's. You know, speak honestly about it now. When you go to work, maybe you have to put on a, a mask, no pun intended, but at least, you know, it, like, you know, be decent and honest with me. Instead, it's like mocking me, like, oh, you're a doctor. Oh, yeah, you're the scientist. It's like, I don't have to be, I don't have to have a four or eight year degree in science or a PhD to be able to look at data from the scientists. Like, I'm not pretending I'm a doctor. I'm not pretending that I'm clinically examining people. But I can look, listen to the leading epidemiologists in the world, and basically what she's saying is like, well, the majority of doctors are are not agreeing with that. And I'm like, well, which one? You know, like, who are you listening to? Who are you reading? Who are you? Who, where are you getting your information from? The majority of doctors are employ are employees. The majority of doctors are employees of health systems or hospitals, so they kind of have a boot on their neck as to what they can say or what they can uh, express. Someone who's independent, who does their own research, who runs their own lab, or decides that, you know, I'm going to speak out against this, can face crazy financial um, pressure, ruin, um, cancellation, so to speak. They may never get another job again, whether that's in research, whether that's clinically, right? We're seeing that. We're seeing that play out literally in front of our eyes. So the pressure is great there. And the incentives that are being apparently offered to hospital, hospital systems, uh, healthcare systems, and actually individual doctors and maybe nurses is also somewhat haunting. Uh, and there is evidence for that. I don't necessarily need to point it. People need to look at that, you know, look at these things themselves. Um, but yeah, anyway, it just, it, it does, it, it, it upsets me a little bit that, um, that this is, you know, where we're at, that, you know, someone that um, I clearly, I don't, I don't um, arrive at, you know, conclusions on something like this lightly, especially when it comes to health and healthcare. I don't, I don't take it lightly. I take medications now that I'm very concerned about what they're doing to me. Uh, and I'm concerned moving forward what some of these companies may may choose to do unbeknownst to me. 
Uh, I have no idea what's actually in the vial that gets, you know, put into me um, on a regular basis. It's a, you know, no one told me how steroids were going to horribly affect me over the years. It just wasn't communicated to me. This is something that's known that, you know, and I just didn't research because back 10, 12, 13 years ago, I was still trusting these, you know, men men and women in white coats with fancy script on their lapel. You know, they were like, I wouldn't say God, but, you know, semi-gods, demigods, because that's what, you know, that's what we are, um, you know, that's kind of what we're taught. And uh, thank God, hopefully some parents will now be telling their kids to look to be truckers rather than, you know, doctors. Um, And for real. I mean, why go to med school for eight years with nearly a million dollars in debt when you can go to CDL trucking school for a few hundred bucks and you could be earning, you know, never in debt, depending upon whether you buy your own rig or not is another story, but never be in debt and be earning, you know, upwards of six figures probably within a year or maybe to start or maybe with a bonus or maybe, you know, whatever. You know, I don't think Elon Musk is going to be putting people, uh, the entire trucking business out of, uh, out of business uh, just, so, just so quickly. So people say it's coming. I, 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 I don't think that fast. Um, you know, we'll see. But anyway, I, I, you know, I, I just really, I do wish there was some more respect for, you know, as much as I respect someone who goes through nursing school, respect that an individual citizen with a modicum of IQ and, and a little bit of time can delve pretty deep into a lot of different issues politically, uh, um, or otherwise. I mean, it's the same thing as history, right? Like I teach history and it's an accumulation of a lot of ability to scan some information, go deeper on others, know where to look for information, look at alternative sources, look at primary sources, and get to the bottom of like what really happened here or here or there or then or why. Why did that happen? Who perpetrated it? Who was um, against that perpetration, uh, you know, that perpetrator, you know, why did this happen? Why did no one help? Why did this person help? You know, who wrote this history? Who didn't write this history? Okay. So same thing. It's like, I'm looking at different data. Sometimes I see conflicting data. Um, and then you see people, you know, that are, you know, either prophylactically or preventatively treated successfully by a number of doctors. They're just a small voice and the media is not going to amplify them. They're amplifying the other side. And I just, you know, I'm being, I'm being laughed at, basically. And it's like, who knows better my condition? You, my friend, my nurse friend, or me, honestly? So there's no question. I know my condition better, better than she does. She does not know my condition. She probably knows very little about it. She may know what, you know, my blood pressure may indicate better than I do. I'm just giving one example, probably not as far as blood pressure, but right, or 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 how to read an EKG or or maybe the results of a blood test, right? There are certain things that she's gonna know. Most of it I think is in person clinical. It's probably not most of the uh, most of the inf- information that I know about my own condition is is not um, she will not know better than uh, than me. And that's just a 
result or a consequence of the fact that I've been researching my condition for 13 years. And at first I was doing it very lightly because I was trusting other people to provide that information and provide that expertise. And then I realized, wait a minute, these people don't necessarily know what they're doing and they're hurting me and they're giving me drugs and they're not nice and they're not kind and they're abusive, right? Just like Miss Maddie experienced, you know? And they want to say that I'm this or I'm that or I'm emotional or I'm distraught or I'm crazy or I'm... Right? And then you start to realize, like, well, that's the real psychotic person. That's the real psychosis. And so I know my condition not only better than most nurses, but often better than most doctors, most medical personnel, most, most anyone who I come in, in, in contact or in conversation with. And the same thing can be said, even though it's a condensed time frame of two uh, years, I have done a deep dive, an, an ongoing deep dive, I'm not alone. Early on, I was one of, you know, definitely far less, far fewer. And now, as people have seen their family members hurt, injured, dying from the actual mRNA or from all the lockdowns and the stress and the emotional PTSD that that's caused and kids being out of school and the ridiculous, these ridiculous rules... Now some people are waking up from their slumber and being like, wait, what's going on here? And they're also doing that deeper dive because even though there's a lot of information on the internet that is conflicting or contrasting, the whole point is you got to sift through it. You got you to read it to then decide what, what avenue does that take me down next? Okay, I have these two pieces of information. Where do I go from here? Right? And it's just you have to make a choice. Speak to your friends. Email, email the expert who wrote that, you know, who did that trial or did that study or, right? Like there's just a lot of, it's a lot. It's overwhelming, but, um, but this is what people are doing. And um, or this is what some people are doing. So even, even the example, I saw a clip, I saw this clip actually, I think about 10 days ago, and then I saw it again um, today, of Candace Owens, who was asking actually... Dr. Malone, who was on Joe Rogan, uh, about, um, he didn't even know the numbers, but I think she was asking him about the measles and how many people had died from the measles uh, um, um, disease or whatever you want to call it, measles virus, uh, prior to the government pushing the measles vaccine. And... She was thinking it was going to have to be thousands of people. And she asked Dr. Malone, how many people do you think it is? This is like an intelligent, brilliant, well-researched guy, meaning he, is, he researches well. Um, um, you know, he's researched all his life. And he's an inventor. And he's a scientist, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, I would think it would be thousands. Or, you know, and then she's like, yeah, and I thought it would be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds at the minimum. Turns out I think that the number she had was it was like, it was in the tens, like 24 people or something like that had passed away from actual measles. And they were pushing this. And this is part of the, you know, the, um, what do you call it? The, um, the protocol for a child to be in school is that you have to have the measles and rubella and all these vaccinations that really there have not been mass, has not been an endemic mass situation uh, in the United States anyway. And yet here we are with having to get these um, inoculations. And what are these inoculations causing? Is, was my, is my condition caused by getting those 
um, vaccines when I was younger. No one will ever know. We'll never know. Ever, ever, ever. Because no one's been following me all this time. So even if it turns out that there's 100,000 people that possibly might have been affected by that, there'll be no way to ever prove it. And I'm not talking about proving it for, to, for a liability or for money or a lawsuit. I'm saying just to know. That way someone can make an informed decision, informed consent about do I want to take this risk or do I want to have the risk that maybe I get measles or rubella or mumps or whatever. Um, same thing goes with uh, like raw milk. Raw, raw dairy products, they're outlawed in many states because of the claim of the public safety and public health that limits many farmers' ability to conduct a small business from their farm the way that they would like to or for people to avail themselves of the health properties of a raw milk product. And it's all for government overreach, government taxing, government clamping down, government oversight where government oversight is not needed and doesn't belong there's ways to be safe. There's ways for people to make their personal choices. There's ways for people to take a walkthrough of that farm and that operation without having to have some kind of overseer agency. Um, and um, this is something that I'm going to touch upon um, in my next um, in my next uh, um, session. But uh, yeah, really the the um, the question of I just lost my train of thought, but um, there's a lot of things that I want to mention. I have a number of things written down here, but I went down that rabbit hole of the uh, medical junta and also my friend mocking me, which is just not, it's just, it's like, hey, if you listen to me for like two minutes, you might realize that I'm listening to some really, really smart people uh, and there's only a few of them more and more are waking up, but these are like, these are not like, Yes, there's Joe the doctor locally who's been treating people, and I'm just making up a name. But there's also like some of the leading experts in the world as well who are also speaking up and talking about this. And so, and Joe the local doctor is also taking his guidance from the leading experts that are have been successful in 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 their research and in what they're saying about you know, preventative prophylactic treatment and if you get corona, how to treat it, um, you know, before it gets to be acute. Uh, and then there's even been cases of people that did get acute and were on ventilators and there's been lawsuits to get them ivermectin and then the hospital wouldn't give it and then they had to get like sheriffs to come in. They had to relocate people to different hospitals and the hospital wanted to pull the plug and like just crazy kind of like situations where you're like, what is going on? Why are people not being treated as human beings and for their better health? And so, um, you know, my experience has been what it is, and I see a certain, um, you know, truth that not everyone can see because they haven't needed to depend on the system to stay alive. And I have, and I've been both saved and hurt by the system. So I think I do have a unique perspective, and that's ongoing. Um, but anyway, I was saying something about Candace Owens and and then raw milk and the oversight, and then I was going to talk about something, but I but I actually uh, I do want to continue to talk about in the next session. This session's coming to an end, uh, but I will take this up um, again soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again for Mike Fetch. I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily the best name for this uh, this podcast so much anymore, 
but for now it remains it may need to change because I don't think it's a it's so much a kvetch. I think it's a I think it's a really, you know, a legitimate um you know, some legitimate analyses. But okay, for now, thanks for tuning in. Signing off. Be good and be safe and be healthy.